Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Hello there, welcome. It is Downtown, the podcast. Episode number 171. Rich Kimball here with Carrie Haskell, brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Two very fine conversations for you on the podcast this time around. In the second half this week, we'll talk with singer-songwriter Colin Hay, who has taken a new tack in his new album. It's an album of covers. They are phenomenal, and there is a story behind every song on there and even the inspiration for the album itself. And so we'll talk with Colin about that in a little bit. But in the first half of this week's podcast, our conversation with the legendary Barbara Eden. Actress, singer, uh, now author. She has a new children's book out called Barbara and the Gin. But her work, obviously best known for I Dream of Jeannie. But she had great success in both television and film before that, co-starring with people like Sal Minio, Elvis, and more. And uh, she's an absolute delight to talk with. We talk about the book and some of the highlights of her career as well. Here's Barbara Eden on downtown. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be with you. Well, it's a treat to get to talk with you. I love the new book. What inspired you to write a children's book? Well, I guess I can I can attribute that to my mother and my aunt. Um, as a child, I was read to a lot. Um, and consequently, I love books. I love stories. Um <clears throat> The minute I learned how to read, they took me to the library and got me a library card. That was my aunt Margie and my mother. Um, and from that day on, I had uh, I would go to the library every Saturday and get the limit, which was four four books at that time, <laughs> and read them all week, and then bring them back on Saturday again, and and pull out four more. Um, I feel that the children today are really missing a lot. They're missing the, uh, the excitement of seeing in their imaginations um, things that when they read, you know, you, you see it visually. You, you see what's going on. And they're so used to already having that handed to them, on, you know, like <laughs> on the phone or the iPad, um, movies. They, they're, they're missing that, that very important thing that you can take with you anywhere. Um, I, I, I have always had a book with me. No matter where I went, I always had one. And uh, I was never alone. I understand for you, as it was for a lot of people, The Secret Garden was a favorite. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> of course, I also... I. Uh, I like all the uh, Oz books, and then I, I then I went to the Zane Gray. I, I would I would go down and take a whole list, you know, of the authors, and uh, just go right down the line, and and read them. Well, in your book, uh, Barbara goes on, on quite an adventure, and it's well, it's the the adventure of storytelling, of imagination, and that's that's the power of books and reading. It really is. It really is. And you're never alone if you enjoy a book and you have one with you. 
um, you, you can go to all kinds of lands and, and people. You meet different people. You go all over the world with a book. Um, I just feel so sorry for so many of the children who aren't, uh, I guess, it has to start out with the parents reading to them before they can read. And then uh, give them this gift of reading a, a book and, and traveling, traveling all over the world with it. Well, and Barbara certainly does that, too, with the help of her new friend. And, and it's also a, a book for the times we live in, too, because she learns about uh, finding people with differences, embracing that, and helping them. Yes, she does. She, and she, she learns that uh, kindness and uh, understanding of different people, uh, the, the people that she meets are all different colors, different different personalities, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful lesson. I want to give credit, too, to uh, Jason Moore for the wonderful illustrations in the book. Aren't they? Aren't they wonderful? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm so lucky that he agreed to do it. Well, I've got a seven-year-old in my house, and, uh, and he likes all of the technology, but he's also a big reader, and today is Library Day. He's pretty excited to take take back the pile of books that he got last week and, and grab some new ones and oh, go off good. on new adventures. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. That was my life. <laughs> well, and, and as you pointed out, it starts with parents. It starts with them opening that door. And I, I say this, I teach high school students, and I tell them all the time, you know, there, there will come a time when some of the things that you do now when you're young won't be as easy to do. But if you love to read, that will be with you for the rest of your life. That's right. That's right. Well, I want to talk about, uh, first of all, what's what's going on in America and the world with COVID. And I, I read that, that both you and your husband had to deal with COVID. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. But we were so lucky. Um, he found out, he, he had gotten it from his family. He'd gone to a family reunion thing. I didn't go, but he brought it home, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and... Uh, our doctor immediately got us into uh, the the um, cedars, and we had the uh, antibody infusions. Uh, this was the day after I was uh, that they said that I was positive, you know, and I I hardly knew I had it. I had a maybe a, a gentle headache. Well, I guess it, it hit your husband a little harder, right? <laughs> yes, it did, <laughs> and he deserved it. <laughs> but, uh, yes, it did, poor thing, because, because we didn't know uh, soon enough for him. But he did get the infusions, and it did, He, you know, he stayed home, and uh, my girlfriend and I took good care of him, although we both had it. He gave it to both of us. Now, when, when we were all locked down, obviously you did a lot of reading, but you also uh, watched some things, and I, I saw that you uh, you loved the same movie that I loved. I was so absolutely blown away with My Octopus Teacher. Oh, isn't that great? Mm. Yes, I, w I watch it more than once, actually. <laughs> well, it's so beautiful, and then you don't expect the way the story is going to play out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fabulous. 
I, in fact, I, I didn't really want to watch it. I thought, well, why do I want to talk about it? You know, I want to watch something about an octopus. And uh, my girlfriend talked me into it. And, well, I was, I was sunk. The minute I saw it, then I watched it again and again. <laughs> We are talking with Barbara Eden here on Downtown. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, your early career. It was uh, the Johnny Carson show that in many ways gave your career a big boost, but not the Tonight Show that everybody knows, but his early variety show that wasn't a real smashing success, but it did wonderful things for you in your career. Well, yes, it did. It just got me started, actually, because, uh, you know, unless you know someone in any business, uh, it's a little tougher to get started, and I didn't know a soul in L.A. I mean, except my aunt and uncle, who, who were not in the business at all. So I, that was the Johnny Carson show, uh, doing sketches with Johnny. He was he was a uh, summertime replacement for uh, Red Skelton, right at CBS, and. Uh, that that really yes it did it was gave me a big boost. You did a number of TV shows from Perry Mason to uh, the finale of Route sixty six, but also um, film work. You we worked with Elvis. You co-starred with him and in Flaming Star. What was that experience like for you? It was fabulous. It was just wonderful. We had uh, it, it, first of all, it was a fabulous script. It had been a book, and. Uh, Elvis was, oh, how can I explain him? He, he was just the most gentle soul, um, loved his music in between scenes. You know, he and his, his <laughs> he called them his cousins, and I believed him. I thought they were his cousins <laughs> until years later when I was being interviewed uh, and uh, on radio, and someone called in from... Uh, uh, Tennessee, and I said, oh, you were one of the cousins, you know, and he started talking, and he said, oh, you bought that, didn't you? <laughs> and yes, I did. I thought he was a cousin, uh, but but Elvis, would, they, they'd play and they'd sing, and his, his daddy was there. Um, Elvis cared about what he was doing. He He didn't take his gifts lightly. He he wanted to, first of all, the, the party was playing was a half-breed Indian who died, uh, didn't get the girl, and he didn't sing a song in the, in mm. the, uh, in the uh, movie at all. But he got wonderful reviews for his, his portrayal. But that didn't translate at the box office because his, his, you know, his, his fans really wanted to see him get the girl and sing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, he was good in it. And he, and he really cared. He tried. He worked very hard at it. He also did a, a terrific movie with uh, Gary Crosby, Salminio, A Private Affair. That was my first one at Fox, yes. When I was under contract to Fox. That was uh, interesting. That <laughs> 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 was interesting. I'll tell you why. We had a, a, a big uh, scene where we all sang, um, and uh, each one of us, uh, of course, had a, a boyfriend, and mine was Gary Crosby. 
Now, we were we were shooting this scene, and at the end, we the girls pirouetted and then sat on the on the uh, the, the the guy's knee because they were there, right? <laughs> well, lucky me, I had Gary Crosby, and he decided to walk off. Just oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I landed on my fanny, you know, on the ground. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> when Sidney Sheldon saw the success of Bewitched and had an idea for a, a new television series, uh, 1964-65, was, was there any reluctance on your part because you had been successful in your film career? Were you reluctant at all to, to move to television? Oh, not at all. Actually, when I was at Fox, I had, I had already done a, a television series called How to Marry a Millionaire. Right. We did two years of those. 39 episodes a year. And uh, I liked television. I liked it a lot. And I I really loved the concept of the genie. Um, I had been reading about it in the trades. And, uh, of course, they were testing all the gorgeous brunettes who were like five foot eight <laughs> tall, <laughs> uh, Miss... Uh, uh, Miss Italy, Miss Greece, all the Mediterranean countries, but gorgeous, gorgeous women. And I thought, uh-uh, that's not me, <laughs> you know. And I put it aside. I forgot about it. And then um, my agent sent me a script, and uh, I read it. And, of course, I immediately recognized what it was. And he called me, and he said, well, did you like the script? And I said, well, yeah, I think it's wonderful, uh, but uh, do they know what I look like? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I think they do. They've made an offer, but they would like you to have tea with Sidney Sheldon at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And I said, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so that's what I did, and uh, we hit it off, and I got the show, and I'm so happy I did. You also got to be a brunette for a few episodes as your your evil sister. Yes, darling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, that was fun. I had I also played my mother with a great big belly, <laughs> and uh, I had I had a good time doing that. I was a brunette also in the uh, Seven Faces of Doctor Lau, the uh, right movie at MGM, which that was fun. It's always fun being something other than what you are. I know you were friends with Larry Hagman for the rest of his life. He was such a talent, able to do comedy, as we saw later with Dallas, of course, and uh, and in some great movie roles, too. I loved him in Harry and Tonto. Uh, he was a guy who could do anything. Yes, he was. He was. He was really talented. And uh, I enjoyed working with him more, I think, than any other actor that I've worked with, he, he uh, we, I, I don't know, we just connected. The rhythms were there, you know, we, we believed each other, which is, of course, what actors try to do. You had a wonderful run, too, uh, with both the, the movie and then the television version of Harper Valley PTA. Oh, yes, yes. I, I was, I was very, very happy for the producer, that was Phil Borak. Um, he was a man who had never been near 
a movie studio. But he decided that this song was uh, would make a good story, and uh, and the film, of course. And but he raised all the money. He he got it all together, and guess what? Everyone who'd been laughing at him for doing this, <laughs> he made a lot of money with that with that tiny little movie. And I, I was so happy for him. That was he was he was wonderful. Now, as I mentioned, I've got a little guy in my house, and, and we were watching TV not all that long ago. And I said, I think I recognize that voice. And sure enough, uh, you were doing voiceover work for the series Shimmer and Shine. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> That that was fun. That was fun. I like that. You also uh, uh, toured with Don Knotts uh, in a show I had the privilege to to perform in as as Barney Cashman in Regional Theater, uh, Last of the Red Hot Lovers. Yes, yes, and he was just. Well, of course, I I had met him on the Andy Griffith show. Um, I played the manicurist on that, and he was just wonderful to work with. And at the time, you know, he he uh, had macular degeneration, so his eyes were not great. And he told me as we were rehearsing, he said, "Look, I will be looking right at you, but I'm not seeing you. I only see from the edges, the outside of my eyes." And I I, I didn't understand, but I believed him. <laughs> and then later, I, I looked it up, and I knew what it was all about. But but he he was remarkable on stage. Well, Barbara, the book is absolutely delightful. Barbara and the Gin, a brand new children's book. It is a wonderful read. It's inspiring and uh, hopefully encourages uh, more children to get out there and read. And you can have all the devices, all the technology in the world, but but nothing can take you on a trip like a good book. That's right. I, I so agree. Thank you so much, Barbara. Boy, the eight-year-old me, if he knew someday I'd get a chance to to talk with you, he would Aww. be pretty impressed with himself. Aww. Oh, thank you. Because, you know, I loved astronauts, but there seemed to be something else that drew me to the show at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we wish you good luck with the book and continued good health and success. Thank you so much. Very nice talking to you, Rich. That is Barbara Eden going strong as she approaches her 90th birthday, which is Virtually impossible for me to believe on so many levels. It seems hard to wrap your head around it. So, so many uh, great stories that we got to hear from her. Yeah, she's a hoot. And the, the book is a delight as well. It's called Barbara and the Gin, D-J-I-N-N. We'll be back in just a moment. You know him perhaps as the head man of Men at Work, but he's had a much longer career as a solo artist Colin Hay has a new album out. It's an album of covers, and we'll talk all about it with him right after this word from Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With a network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Words are flowing out. 
float like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. Colin Hay has been uh, making music for more than five decades now. You know him perhaps best as the lead singer of the Australian band Men at Work that had great success back in the 1980s. Since the band disbanded, he's been making wonderful solo music, uh, performing concerts. He's back on the road, and he's back with a new album. It's a cover album called I Just Don't Know What to Do With Myself, including work, as you heard, from uh, The Beatles, Dusty Springfield, Delamitri, Glenn Campbell, and many, many more. And an interesting story behind the making of the album. We heard it all from Colin Hay. I love the new album so much, and uh, I understand that it was... Uh, reading and hearing about the passing of Jerry Marsden that sort of inspired all of this. Yeah, I was sitting in the studio, uh, or in, which is also my basement, which is also the laundry. <laughs> and uh, and um, uh, I had a I had a new record um, ready to to, uh, to to go, but we decided to release it. Um, early next year because it was undecided whether I was going to be touring or not, you know, so so I had some time on my hands and I was reading about Jerry and I just was reminiscing about that particular time in my life and so I just started to play Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying and I recorded it and sent it, it sounded good to me and I sent it to my friend Chad Fisher, uh, who's a great composer, orchestrator who lives down, down the road from me and um so he orchestrated and sent it back, and he said, send me something else. And so I just kept going until I had 10 songs, and I just decided that it was just fun to do. It was really just because I had time on my hands, you know, and it was just something that uh, I'd never really done before. So I just started to to record all these songs. It was um, it was a beautiful uh, project to do. It was, it was a, lot of, a lot of fun to record, and... And, um, and then when I'd finished, I, when I was halfway through... Um, I sent them to Gary West, who owns the record company, Compass Records, that I work with, and he said, this sounds great. We should, re- we should release this, and so that's what we did. Well, it's a wonderful, eclectic uh, collection of songs, and uh, all of them uh, have some meaning to you. Uh, Waterloo Sunset is one that has some very uh, emotional memories for you. Yeah, well, they all, they all have emotional memories in many in, you know, different ways, you know, but that was a that's really um, firmly... Uh, implanted in my in my brain because of the fact that as I was walking on the gangplank to to get on the first uh, ship to go to the other side of the world, that song was playing through the sound system, you know. Um, it, it had already been a hit, you know. It was a hit in the in the UK, you know, and and, um, and I loved the Kinks and I loved Ray Davies. I loved, I loved the song. I loved the, you know, so many of the Kinks songs were were, um, you know, they had such depth. I mean, they had a lot more depth than I was really able to appreciate being that young. You know, I came to appreciate them more and more as I got older, but but I did love their songs, and that one in particular had such beauty to it, you know, and, and such, it was like a, uh, it, it was really, you know, there was a, such heartache <laughs> contained within the song, you know, and so I, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll record that, see what I can do with it. And uh, other songs um, had different kinds of meaning too, um, for, for different reasons. Um, 
Wichita Lineman was a song that I became aware of in, in, in a, when I arrived in Australia. Um, and, um, of course, Glenn Campbell had to hit with it. But I really became aware of the fact that, um, you know, the, the, song, uh, ex- the, the song exists in, in and of itself. You know, before that, I think I'd, I'd connected artists with songs. You know, I just kind mm. of thought, oh, the Beatles, they, they play their songs. The Kings, they play their songs. The the Who, they play their songs, the Rolling Stones play their songs, and even although some of them were written by other people, I just always thought oh, artists sing their own songs, then all of a sudden, you know, Glenn Campbell had the hit, then I started to listen to the song and think about the song, and, and was aware of the fact that it was written by someone else, and, and it was it, it stood alone, you know, uh, in, in that sense, and it spoke of things that were so mysterious to me, um, you know, like alignment, what's alignment, you know, and, <laughs> You know, what's what's he doing out there by himself? You know, <laughs> isn't there anywhere? And, and the and the love song contained within that. You know, just a just a great song. Well, yeah, I think it's one of the greatest songs ever written. Jimmy Webb has been on our show several times, and I, and I asked him once, yeah, how in the world do you come up with with a line like "I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time"? And he said, "I, I just needed something that rhymed with still on the line." Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's one of the greatest lines, you know. Uh, you Ever. do. Music, I think we're talking with Colin Hay on downtown. His new album is called "I Just Don't Know What to Do with Myself." A couple of Beatles songs. Uh, one of them that you've done a number of times in concert through the years, Norwegian Wood, and also a fantastic version of "Across the Universe." Well, thanks. Yeah, um, exactly. I'd done Norwegian Wood in the in the the Dad Guy guitar tuning, which was. Um, one that I use on quite a lot of songs, and so that was kind of readily available. And and I'd actually recorded across the universe um, two or three, I think two or three years ago. So I had that sitting there. I redid my guitar and vocals on it, but the the actual backgrounds on it and the, the other the other things were on the track. Sounded still sounded really good. So I used that. You know, um, yeah, that's a, that's a really staggering uh, lyric, I think. And, um, and it's amazing to it was it was amazing to you know to, to play that or to, to just sing that you know because as you're singing it you're you're so aware of of, of John Lennon and mm-hmm. you know it just the, his spirit or legacy and everything and and the, the sadness and the, the horror you know through which he left us you know and it's just it's a way of just trying to honor and pay tribute to to someone who was just so astonishingly brilliant, you know? Speaking of the Beatles, uh, you wrote what turned out to be the title song from Ringo's last album. Can you talk about the the making, the genesis of What's My Name? Yeah, playing this band, I couldn't believe that he didn't have a song called What's My Name <laughs> because he'd come out every night and say, What's My Name? And people go, Ringo. And I thought, There's a, you know, that's got to be a title for a song. And so I just had this, at the end of the 2008 tour that I did with him, I was messing around at home, and I, I had this idea for for that song. And, um, and you know, I, I'd kind of finished it, or I hadn't quite finished it. And um, and I don't know, I just went on tour, and I started to get involved with what I was doing. And I guess I kind of put it in a drawer and forgot about it for quite a while. And... Um, a couple of years ago, I was 
talking to Brent Carpenter, who works with Ringo, and I told him, I said, you know, because he was asking me if I had something for Ringo's birthday, and I said, well, actually, I've got this song that I wrote a while ago. And he told Ringo, and so he called me up and just said, oh, here, you've got a song for me. And so um, <laughs> we... Uh, Oh, he said, "He said, come and record, come up to the house, and we'll record it." So that's what we did. I went up to his house, and I had one of those great moments that not very many people get to have, which was playing a song that I'd written for a Beatle and have him like it and uh, and record it. You know, so that was that was an exciting moment. Now, uh, what, what's happening with uh, Ringo's All Star Band? I know a lot of those dates. Uh, one was going to be here in Maine, have been rescheduled for 2022. Will you be touring with Ringo when the band gets back together? I will, yes, indeed. Now, that's a great Ringo story. I heard you on the Beatles channel a couple of weeks ago, and you told a story that, that you've told in concert before, but it, it's wonderful. Can you share a little of the story of Paul McCartney coming to your house for dinner and, and then doing a little extra duty? Yeah, that's right. That was one of the great moments where I looked into the kitchen and and uh, McCartney was running the running the plates under the tap, and I thought, oh, well, McCartney's doing my dishes. <laughs> Colin Hay with us. The new album is "I Just Don't Know What to Do with Myself." Uh, some older songs, and and then a, a fairly recent song that I think is in. And obviously, you agree, a tremendous song, very well written. I love Delamitri, and you do a great job on driving with the brakes on. Yeah, what a song that is! I used to uh, when I first came to live in California, and I would I would used to play at a club. Uh, well, I still play there actually, a place called Largo uh, in Hollywood, and I would drive home uh, late at night, you know, around one or two in the morning, and and I would all I would put on the Delamitri album called Twisted, and by the time I was just coming up the 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 S bends of the boulevard where I live. Um, that song would be on, that song would be playing. So I just had, had a great imprint in my head, having listening to a song called Driving With The Brakes On as you're driving home. We have uh, actually, we'll be talking with Jimmy Cliff on our show tomorrow. You do a wonderful version of Many Rivers To Cross. That is not an easy song. No, it's, it's, uh, it, it's just really one of those songs where you just try and, um, you know, do it justice by letting the song shine through. You know, it's a as a singer, it's an amazing song to to have a crack at. You know, because it's a real singer song. You know, but um, in the seventies, in the early seventies, um, the Jimmy Cliff film, The Harder They Come, came to came to Australia, and it was such a you know massive influence on everybody. You know, we just we loved the song. We loved the film. We loved everything about Jimmy Cliff. You know, it was pretty extraordinary. So great, a great, great artist. Well, what's it been like? I think you, you've done a couple shows recently. You've got another one coming out throughout the week you're performing. What's it been like to get back to performing in front of an audience? Well, I'll tell you what. Today, I, I'm kind of grateful for the fact that you know, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to a number of other people but I, I have a day off you know we mm-hmm. after a year and a half we got back into it by doing five in a row which is not for the faint-hearted you know <laughs> and uh, but they went really well and audiences um although I, I'd like to have seen a lot more people wearing masks but you know it's just that's not what people are doing you know it seems crazy to me but apart from that um the shows went well and everyone you know, 
enjoyed them immensely, you know. So, and, uh, you know, most of them were outdoors. So, you know, there was at least some airflow through the place, you know. But I'm still quite quite concerned about the whole, you know, we're in a, we're in a closed environment, you know, there's 10 of us traveling in a bus. And so if one person tests positive, it's pretty, going to be pretty devastating for the whole thing. So we're, we're, we're being as careful as we can, you know. Colin, thank you so much for making time. The new album is terrific. Uh, we hope you'll get back here to Maine at some time soon, but uh, congratulations on a wonderful record. Be safe and uh, good luck uh, continuing to tour. Thank you very much. I love coming up to Maine. I look forward to it. One of my favorite places to go. Boy, he's so good. Uh, love his music and just love to hear him hear him talk and tell stories, too. It's a perfect example of an artist that has found exactly what he wants to do with his music. And that's that's always really great to see and, and great to hear the stories that got him to that point. And uh, such a good guy, too. Uh, we posted on our, our Facebook page the other day. Uh, from the road, a picture of Colin and his band singing "Happy Birthday" to the man who wrote Wichita Lineman, Jimmy Webb. He has a great ability to understand the history mm. of music and how important those songwriters that maybe some people don't remember as well really are to everything that that music is. You know, and the album is so good, and and he does what the great singers do. He takes these songs that we've all known forever and he makes them his own so uh, give a listen if you get a chance to I just don't know what to do with myself from Colin Hay our thanks to Colin thanks to the wonderful Barbara Eden as well and thanks to you for joining us this week on downtown the podcast leave a nice review I mean leave a five-star review otherwise come on uh, subscribe tell your friends and join us next time for downtown